Welcome to another episode of the Living Inspired Podcast. And today we have a very, very special episode. So I'm your host, Carla Herschel, and I have a guest, Mark Grayson. Mark's story is so incredible and so profound, and I'm very, very excited to share his journey with you. So before we get into this uninterrupted podcast, I wanted to let you know about a free manifestation calibration masterclass that I have coming up. This masterclass has so much wisdom in it as I have been through some very big shifts and some very big changes myself. And I'm truly starting to understand the energetics in business and how to call in your desires easily and effortlessly. And so I've decided to put on this free masterclass because I want to share my wisdom with you. So the Manifestation Calibration free masterclass will be Thursday, June 2nd at 6 p.m. Melbourne time. That's Thursday, June 2nd at 6 p.m. Melbourne time. We'll be going into how to live your dreams before they have happened and calibrating to a new level of effortless abundance easily. It'll be about how to embody the be, do, then have principle. Release resistance and the questioning around what if things go wrong and start living as if everything is always working out for you. This masterclass will be truly magic as I show you how to bring those energetics into your life to calm your nervous system as you step into a life of true abundance. I'm really fucking excited about this masterclass. If you want to sign up, the link is below. As I said, it's completely free. So I would love to see you there. And now for this podcast with Mark Grayson. All right, everybody, welcome. Today is going to be such a fun episode. Uh, I have my guest, Mark. And first of all, I'll say welcome to the Living Inspired podcast with me, your host, Carla Herschel, and my guest today, Mark Grayson. So how are you, Mark? Yeah, I'm good, Carla. Thanks for having me on, by the way. It's exciting to, you know, meet so many like-minded people where we just get in and talk about many, many things and sort of run with it to kind of Mm -hmm. bring as much awareness as we can out there like in this space of like energy and you know all those sorts of things but um yeah it's exciting (laughs) (laughs) we were just saying before that we don't have a time limit for this and we both just like to go with the flow so (laughs) hold on to your horses people this might be a longer episode but there's going to be so much entertainment in this because mark has or relatability i should say Mark has such an incredible story and there is so much that we both want to share together. So a bit of background on how I met Mark. Um, I was on my road trip with no end date at the start of this year and I had decided to start coming back to Melbourne and my friend Margaret said, you should catch up with Mark. Um, You guys have similar like inner child type energy or childlike energy. Um, And I was like, oh, cool. Like I'm on my way home, but I said from the beginning, there's no end date to this trip. And I just want to follow whatever comes up for me. Cleared my schedule, cleared my schedule to catch up with Mark. And we went for a hike together. Where do we go? Wentworth Falls in Sydney. Mm, Wentworth Falls, yeah. Yep, the Blue Mountains. And it was so beautiful. And we were talking nonstop the whole time. We both jumped into the waterfall, like fully dressed. Um, I forgot my bikini, so I was fully dressed. And then... (laughs) we were just having so much fun and there was some women there watching us in the waterfall and you could tell I felt I could tell that they really wanted to jump in but they just didn't have the courage 
And you and I both were like, come on, stop mucking around, guys. Like, join us. And one of them jumped in straight away. And it was so liberating. It was really beautiful. And then again, you could tell that her friend just had that hesitation. She didn't have that inner permission to do it, I guess. And she was like, oh, I just got my hair done. I don't know. And it was a really hot day. And I was like, I know you want to get in. You can do it. And she did. And she was so happy. And it was really the whole thing was such a beautiful moment for us to share. Yeah, it was it was an interesting moment because like we were just cruising around, like as you do when you're out in nature, you're not really there's no real destination in sight and how long you're gonna go for as well. Like when you're out there, you just you're exploring. So you're on that seeking journey. And it was just interesting as we were walking by those that um the group of ladies that were just kind of off on their own doing their own thing and that was fine but just us sheerly like getting out there in the cold because the waterfalls is pre- the water was actually pretty cold it was a cold mountains, plunge right? it was a little <laughs> bit chilly and just that sheer fact like when we jumped in just to yeah as you said like give that invitation for people to kind of get out of their own comfort zone be like you know what i'm gonna do it as well mm-hmm. and that's what i find interesting in life like through humans it's like we can lead by example and actually inspire people to really get out of their comfort zone and try things that they might not have really thought about trying. If we hadn't have walked past, I don't know if they, they may not have actually dived into the water. And that's, that was the beauty of it. Like just, it was so awesome. What I remember distinctly was um, just them lighting up when they kind of got in the water and like, they felt like they kind of accomplished something. They're like, yeah that was awesome like you know and yeah it was quite yeah I just thought that was pretty cool yeah it was beautiful and we were thinking about the ripple effect like when you're living your purpose and you're living with passion and inspiration and all of those things it just rubs off on other people yeah yeah you know it does like you can cause those ripples like the smallest little things that you can do it can really cause the ripples the people around you and it was such an awesome day though not just that like you know and it was awesome to connect with you meet you and it was just cool that we could just both just like let go of this attachment of like you know I mean in life right so many people are walking around like robots and it's like Mm -hmm. everything's gonna be so structured (laughs) rigid and like serious but in the essence of who we are we're actually here to express our inner child we're here to allow that to express through and and, it, and that's the whole point of like these spontaneous things, right? Like you're like, yeah, I'm coming to Sydney. Like I haven't met you, but let's catch up. Let's go. Uh, let's go up the mountains and mm-hmm. just purely enjoy ourselves being present within nature. I, I mean, I love that, you know, just the essence of like doing those things from time to time, but it was just, it was really, really an awesome experience like that day um yeah (laughs) it was so freeing it was really beautiful yeah so it was great and so we've been friends ever since (laughs) and Mark's story just fascinates me do you want to just tell me first sort of an introduction of who you are and what you do in this moment and then we'll go through where you actually came from yeah 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 no that's yeah that's we can dive in so okay so by the way, yeah, I'm Mark from Sydney. <laughs> um, if you didn't hear the introduction before, but um, 
So right now I'm in that, I'm in, like, we're in that same sort of path where me and you are like, we're in service mode. So we're out here helping people, right? Rising to become their most authentic version. So part of my mission is to help people find their own gifts and to be able to share that with the world. And, you know, in that, that kind of coaching role, but I don't like to look at things as like this coach and sense of who I am or a label. Like I'm here to be of service to help people find out who they truly are. So then they can be able to express their gifts, express who they are um, to express their inner child and all of those things and heal from their traumas of the past to re like kind of rewrite the script and like flip the script. So it's more of like that intuitive guide, like, you know, whatever is flowing through me that needs to be shared as wisdom, that's going to actually help someone step into their own power. I mean, that's sort of where I'm at. So there's like over the last year, it's been a lot of like growth, like personal growth for myself and, you know, putting myself out of my comfort zone, like what we talked about before and, you know, getting online in the online space, doing live videos, getting content out there. And, you know, just to give people that glimmer of hope that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Cause if we want to dive deep into, we can go there too, like my past and, and, you know, living with um, addictions and certain things, like I know what it's like to suffer and it's sort of like, you know, living those experiences and to be able to share that with the world in an impactful way, not like still living in my story of the past, but to share it in an impactful way that can actually inspire someone to take aligned action steps for themselves. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, there's many, many things in the pipeline that I'm sort of just um, opening up to and things are kind of just work like working for me right now. Has it been like hard to get to where easy to get to where I'm at. No, it hasn't. It's been definitely a challenge, but I truly believe Carla through challenges and adversity. This is exactly what builds the character in people. This is what, where you find that inner strength to kind of overleap whatever challenge comes your way. You, you are able to navigate yourself through life's challenges, through life's obstacles. It's through the adversity is where we build the character. And this is, this is where we, when we start to tell our own story, I truly believe is where we, we impact a lot of people, like in a way where we, we tap into the inner, like it's almost like touching inner buttons for people where they feel like that inner pull to go for something that's, um, and you can agree on this, like bigger than yourself, right? You know, we're not here to play small in this world. We're not here to like, you know, go with the whole like systems of society and how society's kind of controlled us to work the nine to fives and, you know, I mean, be so serious and rigid and <laughs> mundane versus living a life of freedom. So I'm all about um, creating sustainability, balance, like freedom, um, time management and all of these things. I think like me and you're on that same wavelength, like how, we're both on that path where, you know, it's it's about creating the lifestyle that kind of molds into who we are. You know, what what are my values, right? If we want to go deep into that, what are my values? What are my beliefs? And when you go into those two aspects, um, this is what shapes your reality. Mm -hmm. Those two aspects. So 
I mean, yeah, it's been yeah. it's been a journey. We can go deeper into it for sure. Oh, we will, we will. But um, just a comment on how we are so trained to be in the system, and that's why I think what what you're saying, where you help people to see their truth, and you're just encouraging people, whatever they need in that moment, to step into their power. It's so important for us to be doing this work because when you are sort of stuck in the system, you 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 don't even know it often. And you don't know that there's an alternative until you see the proof. Um, one of the things that I help people to do is think outside the box as to how they can run their business, how they can run their life. Like you actually don't have to do it in that way that everyone else is doing it. Like there actually are options. But even for myself, like when I first started, say, working online, I didn't really understand how it could work. And mm-hmm. I just thought that you would offer a 12 week program and that's it. And now I'm like, Oh, you can do masterclasses. You can do workshops. You can do live events. It doesn't have to be online. You can do like, you could go out into different parts of nature. You could do a coaching call on the beach, um, a coaching session mm-hmm. on the beach and even the creativity in my own life, like teaching people how to think outside of the mm-hmm. box for literally their day-to-day life. It's like, well, you can take Wednesdays off if you want to, you can work a 10 hour day, Monday and Tuesday and take, the rest of the week off if you want to you can go to the beach you can do this like whereas before when just if I talk on personal experience when I was sort of working the nine to five I just thought that was it so it's so important for us to speak our truth and help other people step into their power just to provide the evidence that they can start because you just don't come across it otherwise yeah like like finding that balance and as you say because it's it's I mean I truly believe and this is just my observation and I look at there's a lot of burnout out there and if you talk Mm. about like that overworking which I'm sure you've gone through I've gone Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. I won all of the awards I'm the hardest worker in the team (laughs) means nothing at the end of the day because my body would just like and shut off and I mean as me and you were dive like we're diving into that energy work and understanding our own system our nervous system like our body and how it works, you know, our body needs rest and it needs to have the balance. Like if you think about oh, what are your values? Like you may value your family and you may value money. You may value travel. You may value your alone time. You may value your friendships and all of the things, but how do you find the balance? And you've got to do your content and get that out there um, mm-hmm. to make an impact and add value into people's lives every single day, right? Like mm-hmm. beyond lives. So okay, but it's about that time management. So it's like, how how do we create that balance where we're not working nine to five because we're doing something that lights us up, um, and we don't feel drained, and we still have time to go out in nature for the day, like the mountains, like you know you said, or maybe you feel like journaling for three hours and mm-hmm. just having your alone time, and then maybe you want to call your friend up for two hours and just have that deep connection. Cause that's the whole essence of living. If you think of like mm-hmm. some, uh, like Finland, because Finland, they work on a four day working schedule. And is it four day or four? four, four yeah. Four, four sorry, days. Four, days, four yep. days. Um, yeah. Four days working schedule. Nice. And they shorten <laughs> their hours, not from the average Australian culture where it's like eight hours. You must work eight hours. It's six hours. But what they've found by the studies alone is like, People are happier. Why are they happier? Because they're finding the balance between life and work. Mm-hmm. And they're finding the 
like the balance there and they're not overworking their body so they can get the rest that they need as well. Mm-hmm. And they're more, the, the key is efficiency. So they're more efficient at what they do, not busy being busy. I think that that's what me and you are kind of, Carla, we're understanding that like we've, we can put up our hand. We've gone down that road of making mistakes and working hard, getting those awards. We were the hardest worker on the, on the planet. That's, that's amazing. And then our body shut down. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm sure your own personal experience you've had. Yeah. That. I talk about it a lot how I used to overwork like crazy and I'd work like 60 hours a week. And I look back now, I'm like, literally, how the fuck did I do that for like five years? Where now, if something's really out of alignment, I'm just like, oh, I just won't do it. I move on. <laughs> and I'm like, how can I just let go of these things or outsource it? And of course, there's always certain perhaps admin that you still do there's still tasks that you don't fully enjoy but the ability to prioritize and not feel bad and give yourself the time you need like that's really good and it's interesting where you bring up energy this is something that I'm becoming really passionate about which I almost Mm. like wasn't expecting I guess um because I just recently was calling myself more of a healer and now I'm like no I really like coming to it from the perspective of energy work and it's all interrelated Mm -hmm. anyway but yeah yeah, more is not always more so like doing more work does not necessarily mean that you get more done and it doesn't necessarily mean that you make more progress and you gave examples there of maybe I want to spend a few hours in nature maybe I want to spend a few hours journaling maybe I want to spend a few hours on the phone with a friend experiencing that deep connection and that actually adds to our energetic power or our energetic capacity and that Mm -hmm. will propel you forward in life in business with a buzz with abundance and it's so interesting because like um I still write my sort of like to-do list I still plan each day but my to-do list used to be a full page every day and I would never finish it and it would it would kill me like it made me feel terrible and it would still happen now and again but I thought I was making so much progress doing all this stuff. Mm. And now like Wednesdays are a day off where I can. And I usually do spend most of the day journaling and just processing. And that's probably the main reason why people pay to work with me because of the inner work that I do. Mm. And it's so funny in that, well, no one's actually paying me to journal, (laughs) but that's what helps my energetic capacity, my, and the energetic ability that I have to help others And that's what essentially like lays the foundation for me to get paid. It's so interesting. So when you start to understand energy, yeah, you, you're really encouraged to find that balance. I love it that you said about the whole laying the foundation, because the last like couple of years, if I look like reflect back, I see myself as laying the foundation and it's like finding that balance of being completely present, like in every single call and every single like zoom meeting or like i'm completely present and when i have my time in nature i'm completely present and what i find is that it's like there's this inner pull to do things right but then it's that knowing when to just surrender and when you find that Mm. balance between the polarity of like surrender and there's no like it's not about force but obviously there's that taking action part Mm -hmm. of manifestation and energy that works in polarity with the whole surrender. So you've got to find the balance. It's like the masculine energy and the feminine energy. 
I mean, if you're out of whack with the feminine energy, you're going to be up in the clouds and never take any action. And mm -hmm. if you're going to be up in the like, like out of balance of masculine, then you're probably not going to touch base on the journaling and then the expression of mm -hmm. what's coming through. So it's, I find the foundations important, like in anything, right? Like say even to do with a business, right? You've got to build the foundation first, like building a house, right? You build the scaffolding, you hold the pillars and then hold up the house. And then that's the foundation. So I love that you mentioned that because a lot of people, they, they miss that po point. They, they're achieving, achieving. And it's not about comparing. It's just about like observing what I see in this world. Or it's not, I'm not judging. It's just observing. So it's like, I see there is a lot of burnout. Cause why? Cause it's all force and it's so much in the masculine energy. And it's like achieve, 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 do, 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 do. And they forget the essence of being present, being the human being. Mm -hmm. like that's that's what I would find yeah I love that so much I'll just touch briefly on what masculine and feminine is because I'm actually not sure if I've broken it down for my audience and there might be people listening to this, this for the first time but so masculine energy is considered the doing and producing energy and it's like made powerful by what it creates and what action it takes the feminine energy is considered more passive and that energy is being, um, allowing things to come to you and choosing who and what you give your energy to. Now, we all have masculine and, and, and feminine within us. They're not specifically like isolated to men or women. So we, we all have mm -hmm. both. And finding that correct balance is, yeah, finding your energetic balance within you. And you want your masculine structure to create the safety for the feminine to be fully expressed and to access the creativity. Like if we, when we talk about burnout, cause it's so common, like being too heavily in the masculine and for myself, you sort of become creatively zapped and like you lose so much connection to your emotion. Cause you're just doing, doing, doing all the time. So burnout for one, like, you know, when you're burnt out and you just, maybe you're feeling really annoyed, fatigued, and it's, you, you're not really laughing, like carefree. It just disconnects you. But both of them have their healthy and they're out of balance, I guess. Yeah, they both serve a purpose. And as you said, mm. and it's like not allowing, you know, I mean, that energy to flow through you or what wants to flow through you. Because like, I mean, when you're talking about, like if we're diving into like energy and like feminine and masculine, it's, it's basically like balancing both sides of your brain because that's what it is. That's the polarity. And there's a polarity within everything in life. Like even if you're not kind of in tune with energy work, any of the listeners out there, it's like anything you have a positive and you have a negative, like mm. that's, that's a given that's universal. Everyone kind of understands that can relate. So if you think about the positive and negative, well, maybe like you look at both sides of the brain, it's like the feminine and then the masculine, right? Mm -hmm. And to find balance is is not to force your body to the ground to like run your body out of the, like that sink and that energy. You, you know, it's that's why journaling and those things and getting out in nature, connecting to the ground, the frequency of the ground, um it helps you stay grounded you know and it helps you stay kind of present and the whole idea of like the whole 
if you think about setting goals or something and you want to see outcomes or results, it's about just being present because like past, present and future is all just happening. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's when you're in the present now is when you allow like the downloads, allow that energy to flow through you in the present now. But if you focus on the future, then you always get like, say you get to that destination, you've achieved that goal. Then what's next? You get to the next one, you've achieved it. What's next? So you're never, ever enjoying the presence of being a human being. It's just do, 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 do. And then you've achieved all of your things. You get to the end of your life and you go, okay, well, I was never present with any of that. I have like material things like cars and stuff. I can't take it with me. So it's like, you know, that's that's where we're at. It's like bringing awareness to all of these things because a lot of people has been conditioned in society to just go, 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 go. And they all have burnout. That's yeah. that's my observation. <laughs> yeah, it's so common and so relatable for people. And like I've uh when last year I was living with my friends, um, I just remember like we would go out quite a lot. And obviously it's fun to go out. I really enjoy looking nice and dressing nice and eating good food. Like I love all of those things. But when I reflect personally, a lot of it was really ego-based, you know, wanting to look good for attention, for external validation instead of just a pure expression of myself. So there was a lot of ego there. And I remember, especially being surrounded by my friends in that environment, like always wanting to buy more clothes. (laughs) And I like to look nice myself, but like, I don't really care about makeup. I'm I'm not that fast. I I got my nails done recently. And I think I've had my nails done three times in my life. Like I just, I actually don't care that much for that, for looking good all the time, whatever. But I had this pressure, this this feeling that I wanted to buy new clothes all the time and that it was really important. Then when that household sort of fell apart, it wasn't the right environment for me anymore. And I moved back in with my parents. I was like, whoa, how the fuck do I have so much clothes? Oh, my God. And in the process of moving into that house in the first place with my with my friends, I had already gotten rid, rid of like five or six garbage bags of clothes. And then I moved again. And this time I really wanted to strip back all that I, all that was out of alignment for me. So, so much more I was, I was moving away from. And I was like, what the fuck There's Like, I don't understand how there's so much stuff. And like Mm. at that time where I was working so hard to make more money, something else that I talk about a lot, like here it is. (laughs) You worked so fucking hard for all this stuff that you don't even freaking care about anymore. And it was just, it was just hilarious to me when I was just, you know, one month before I felt like I didn't have enough. And then one month later, as because I had changed, I was trying to get rid of this incredible amount of overflow. So it's all perception. Uh, did you go yeah. on like some detox of clothes and things? Because it's sometimes yeah. it's good to do. Like, it, yeah, yeah, it was really healing. It was really healing. Um, because I had changed my business at the same time and created a lot more time and space for myself. But then as a result, like my income changed, I took the time to go through everything and sell a lot of items. And I think I sold like a thousand bucks worth of clothes. And um, normally I would just give it to the op shop, but I had the time, I had the space. I was looking for money in any way that it would come through to me. And yeah, it was really healing to like help me let go of sort of a past identity. And I kept 
I did keep a lot of items that I would still go out and party in. <laughs> like, it's not like I was I'm never going to party again, but letting go of all the things that really weren't the highest expression of myself, which was right. just really interesting. And that, and that was like a defining moment for yourself where you're like, okay, well, I'm here to play big in this world. Like, you know, I'm here to serve. I'm here to, that was mm-hmm. sort of the, the defining moment for yourself. Yeah. Well, a big thing in that moment, I guess, like when I was living with my friends, I did know already that I was shifting from fitness to mindset, but I, you know, I didn't really know how to go about it. Didn't really understand what a mindset coach is. So I was figuring that out. And then I remember I was like, I need to step up and start looking like a mindset coach. <laughs> so funny now that I say it out loud. But so then I, and this, this is also because of the environment that I was in. I feel I was trying to wear nice clothes every day to show up in, to look like a professional mindset coach, like someone mm. that was really abundant, was really successful. Like I started doing my makeup sometimes and sometimes my hair and all that. And honestly, like I work from home, (laughs) like most of the time I wear my trackies um, or workout gear and I'm not the type of person to get dressed up for no reason. Like I enjoy looking good. I think I'm beautiful, but it was fake really. Um, And I feel that the space that I'm in now, like I consider someone to be successful when they are just showing up in their truth. Like the coach that I'm working with at the moment. Yeah. She shows up on her story all the time in her trackies because that's who she is. And there's no shame or embarrassment about that. Whereas when I was trying to be something else, I therefore felt that the, the me just being myself wasn't good enough. You know, like why would it, why would anyone work with me if I wear tracksuit pants at home? (laughs) But that's just a limiting belief. And I, love knowing that I have the energetic capacity or the self-belief I should say to show up in trackies and be a successful business coach (laughs) or show up on days where I go out and I look fucking incredible and be a successful business coach or I've shared pictures of when I've gone to a music festival and worn next to nothing some crazy outfit and I'm a successful business coach because that's just who I am so my point there is that when I was in that house, I, I, I started trying to be something that I wasn't. And it's not that there was anything wrong with the clothes, but there was a pressure to, to show up other than who I actually am. And then in selling those clothes, I was just honest with myself to which pieces I actually feel comfortable in and that I actually wear all the time. And then which other pieces I like to wear when I go out that are in alignment with me because there was plenty of stuff that I bought just because I needed something to change it up like because I was going out so much I couldn't possibly wear the same thing twice that vibe (laughs) (laughs) so I was just buying more for no reason and yeah it was it was empowering to be like no actually this is what I wear this is what I like and I honestly I actually still have a lot of clothes that's about a third of what it was I'm thinking of doing it again (laughs) <laughs> Go yeah. for it. Isn't that, that's that's like what's so great that you can just you know step up and just be who you are and you know that's like a lot of the things that I'm sharing 
and I bang on about it a lot, is about being authentic and not coming from a place of judgment and saying that the world's not authentic, but like from my own observation, there's a lot of people that are walking around putting on those masks. And, you know, what does that look like underneath the mask? Well, maybe there's a pure heart there. Maybe there's there's something more like, because I purely believe that we shouldn't be so rigid and how we need to kind of dress or something like, sure, we can put on certain hats and we're going to put on some nice clothes to, to match something. But I understand where you're coming from because growing up for me, I was never like really big on that, that sort of thing. So it's like, oh, material things. Obviously, my mindset and everything's kind of changed my perception on that. It's like, well, it's okay to kind of wear a certain hat. But as long as I'm authentic in how I present myself, it doesn't matter what what I wear. Like, you know, and you think about the conditioning, like like interviews, it's the the general, like, you have to wear, for a bloke, you have to wear a suit. You have to, like, you know, be all, like, stiff and, you know, very, very proper. But it's like we, we're removing that need to be that certain way because it doesn't serve it actually puts a lot more pressure on people that they need to kind of like be this like something that they 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 really have another version that they want to express to this world like for an example i i know i'm relating to a movie i don't watch much i don't watch much movies occasionally i'll watch an occasional movie here and there but um the greatest showman and i use this as an example because um, it's about being like authentic. So the character in that movie, um, Hugh Jackman, he plays the poor kid. And um, at the start of the movie, I know I'm diving into this, it's funny, but yeah, it's go just going it. that way, right? Um, so the, the, he plays a poor kid, right? But he has a dream to be like the greatest showman. And that was his dream, like to to run a circus and and make something magical happen right that was his big dream and he had this defining moment in the movie where this young boy came along in the streets because he was he was homeless he was in the streets and he was starving and this young boy could see the face of Hugh Jackman he's like oh I can see you're hungry and this young boy had an apple in his hand he gave the apple to Hugh Jackman and this is the moment where he saw something else in like, if you think about the art of being kind, this is what he saw, that within the uniqueness of every individual that might have different clothing, different shapes or sizes, that they can just be who they are. And this young boy had um, like a disformed face. So it was like, you know, no one else kind of noticed the, the, the young boy with the deformed face. And no one stopped to actually give the apple to Hugh Jackman, but his kindness and showed that it doesn't matter how he looks, he showed the pureness of his heart of being authentic. And then as the movie transpired, um, Hugh Jackman found the inspiration to find all of the misfits in the movie. So he found like this guy that was like nine foot tall, put him into the circus, this someone that was like wide, I'm going to use certain things, but like wide and maybe like you know <laughs> a different shape right um and but he accepted these characters in this lady she had a had a beard this lady had a beard right and in society most people will look at those things like we we'll never ever give them a job in modeling we we'll never give them a job and put them in the magazines and this is what i think by having your attitude and the way that i see things is like we're dismantling that so 
people can just be who they are. Um, and that's why I use that movie as an example, because through the movie, the lady with the beard, she sung the song. Um, the lyrics were like, this is me, basically. Like, oh, and yeah. that message hit home with me and just the whole thing. And you can relate it to real life, of where we're at right now, of how we just show up. If you want to be um, still serving people, I mean, look at the world we're in, Carla. Um, a lot of people have transitioned from their everyday job to then going, I'm going to take my business online because they're kind of forced for the change. Like the, if you're not going with the change, you're going to fall behind. Like our, our parents did when phones came out. They're like, how do you use this thing? Like, so <laughs> <laughs> that's true, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, like, you know, you're just being you and you're like, hey, I'm in my lounge room because most of us have been like, well, you think of like staying at home, like because the whole pandemic thing, which is another story. Yeah. I think it's a <laughs> pandemic, but um, the whole staying at home that most people are they may have a messy background and that's okay. Like they may have mm -hmm. books and things in the background, but they're still doing their calls, they're still serving people, and there's no like judgment there. So that's what I think that you touch on that's really important because it can bring awareness out there for more people to really relate and think, I want to be more expressive to who I really am and drop the whole like wearing the mask and fitting the mold because it's not about fitting the mold. It's about fitting to what's lights, what lights you up. That Fully expressed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there was so much there. I'm trying to process. There was like multiple things I wanted to comment on, but um, that's like, showing up authentically, I know. <laughs> I recall everything showing up authentically and sharing the there's so much strength in that vulnerability and because yes. you know um I think sometimes people are under the illusion that coaches have it all together or that other people have it all together and that's a that's why it's so yeah important for us to share our journey to share our challenges um you know, I was coaching people at the time where I did lose all of my friends and it felt like my whole life fell apart. And that was a huge and really beautiful moment of growth. It was fucking hard at the time. It hurt real bad, real, yeah. real bad. And um, it was very unpleasant. <laughs> but that didn't mean that I was a failure as a coach. Like that's just a challenge that I was experiencing. And even when I shared just before how like I'm was letting go of a lot of clothes, letting go of things that were out of alignment and didn't necessarily reflect me. I have no doubt that there are parts of my life right now that are actually out of alignment. So, you know, we share these things, but it's not, I just always feel like it's important to say, like, I'm not claiming that I have it perfect or have it all together. And it's a constant mm. stepping into your power, constant reassessing of how you're showing up. I love that. It's And that's, mm. Yeah, I mean, we're always evolving and shedding those layers as we go along. But the main point is what you're saying there. It's like accepting the imperfections within yourself. Like, you know, this is this is um what you see is what you get. And when we get more of that mentality, it allows people to like basically step into more of their authenticity, mm. you know, versus like being out of integrity with their own soul. I don't know if you see it, but there's a lot of like in the coaching industry as well. There's a lot of like out of integrity. It's like 
And it's like, remember why you even got in that industry in the first place. Um, mm. That I don't know. That's just something. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, um, for myself personally, like helping in when I was in fitness and I would help people get their lives together. And I, I did a fantastic job. My clients had really amazing results, but I talk a lot about balance. And then I, I knew how can I be talking about this when I am working like 40 to 60 hours a week? Like I know that I'm passionate about my work, there's no doubt. And I get my workouts in and I eat healthy. So I, I was like, I've, I have, yeah, some something of a foundation, but it just didn't make sense for me to be telling people like how to have more balance and then not doing that myself. But then as a coach, you know, like as any kind of teacher, you're always teaching people what you're healing within yourself. So that's not to say that like a coach, again, that's not to say that they have to be perfect or have it all figured out to be teaching it, but just being honest that you're still integrating it yourself. You're still growing yourself. Yeah. Not, not claiming that you've got it perfect because nobody does. Exactly. (laughs) And it's like, um, We've talked about this before, like the embodiment, you know, and when you think about that ideal version that you're stepping into, it's like, it's about embodying that person before you even step into that. Like when I think Mm. about even my own journey, like starting the whole, like getting value out there online, you know, it's part of the gig, we're in the online business and it's, you know, we're going to add the value. Not because we have to, but we actually want to, because it's like we light us up when we're sharing mm-hmm. what messages, um, like as wisdom that we can share that can make a difference. When I first started the journey, I was like doing live videos. Like I would say a year and a half ago when I first did my live, I would hover over the button for like 40 minutes or an hour and get in my head and be like, mm-hmm. what the hell? I sound ridiculous and all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's the actual embodiment. So it's the doing the thing. It's like, I see myself as a speaker. I see myself as embodying that person. So as I started to transition, doing it every day, not worrying about it being perfect, but just enjoying the progress along the way. Mm -hmm. And after a year, it's like, it's, it's so natural for me to just get on and and do the videos. Right. It's, um, it's, it just comes natural, comes through me, but it didn't, start that way but Mm -hmm. because I had that vision of who I was becoming I embodied it Mm -hmm. um and that's like anything in life which um you're diving deep into I know Carla more like with the breath work and things that I've kind of found with this whole embodiment system that's entwines in with the whole energy work um yeah (laughs) Mm. yeah what was the thing that you said about um just a moment ago embodiment oh yeah because when you start showing up as the thing like you're it's like it's not official yet and there's that feeling of like well why am I teaching this or why am I sharing this when I'm not qualified and then it's like but actually you're qualified when you decide that you are you are qualified to be a speaker when you decide that I'm going to show up and speak you know Mm -hmm. and that's what people get really stuck when they want to step into a different form of expression and they say, Oh, but I have no experience. It's like, mate, doing the thing makes you you qualified. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, it's just such a beautiful journey because we, because we are in the coaching space, 
encouraging people to do the thing and then by doing the thing they are the thing and that's how we got to where we are right now <laughs> like nobody decided that I would be a mindset coach I just was like I don't really want to do fitness anymore I love coaching I love the nitty-gritty I'm just gonna do this now and so it is and because it and it lights you up like seeing mm. someone smile and step into their own like because mm -hmm. you know you, for your own experiences you may not have always been so confident in these parts of you that you've embodied over time but beforehand you may have had to go through those challenges along the way mm -hmm. and it's almost like because we're just the messengers of just like we can't actually change anyone people are going to want the change and it's just like we're passing some tools or things that they can embody for themselves like, because I truly believe that we're here to be our own kind of practitioner. We're here to like study our, our mind-body connection and just like understand how we work best. Because at the end of the day, the answers lay dormant from within us. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, we're like, we may be the blind spot on the other end and say, hey, like, did you think of like this perspective? And then they start asking questions and then they get their breakthroughs and mm. such. Um, that's what I find and going on the journey like you know um along the way like, if you talk about like the whole becoming something like early on in the journey someone's like hey what are, like what are you doing these days or such, such and such and first thing that would come out of my mouth which is a limiting belief is like well i'm becoming a coach well i'm becoming a speaker and i was saying that continuously over and over and then i had this moment where i'm like I'm doing the thing. I'm like, no, I'm already speaking, doing that online. I'm already making the, the causing the ripples around me. I see. I'm like, I am that. So it's like this, the next thing that popped up. So I'm saying, Hey, what are you doing? These like, it's like, well, I'm a speaker. I actually inspire people to, you know, overcome their own limitations and overcome their own fears um, through my adversity. Um, because we've all got a story. We've all got something right. Been through that even got us on the path of wanting to better ourselves. Um, and when you find that synchronicity, like, you know, me and you, Carla, and many others, it's easy to just tap in and we're like, we get it. We understand, like, what you've been through and the traumas. Like, But the thing is, we don't need to live with the traumas. We don't need to carry that around with us everywhere we go. Like, we, we are so much more powerful than, than we've been led to believe. Um, but it's it's about understanding how our like how our system works. If you if, yeah. yeah, if you know what yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. This is such a perfect segue to sharing your story. So we know yeah. like where you're at. We're both coaches. Um, I mean, obviously, there's so much more to that anyway. But your story is just so interesting. And it's, yeah, I'm happy to dive into yeah, that for sure. <laughs> please. I feel it's just such an incredible story. Yeah. It's part of your life. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you, like, even opening up that space because it's always nice when you find someone that's willing to open up that space, like, mm. yeah, for someone to express. I know when I first started opening up about the things I've been through, I, like, over a year and a half ago before I kind of got deeper into my journey. Uh, like I was at a very vulnerable stage and I wasn't even able to really express it properly. But now looking back for reflect. So for the listeners out there um, that don't know, 
I've been through many, many like addictions in my life. So when it comes to alcohol, drugs, uh, (laughs) the list goes on, like alcohol, drugs, gambling, sex, food, like all of the things, right? All of these things outside of myself to fill this empty void that I was feeling for many, many years, like growing up, growing up I was a shy kid but I don't believe my soul was shy I just believe that I was kind of trying to observe and feel my way into life at early stage and I wasn't able to understand myself at that stage because I was very much the daydreamer and and always thinking about creativity and these things and like exploring the world even at a young age but I wasn't very um, in tune, like when it came to school and I had a lot of um, learning difficulties uh, growing up. So I struggled to read like from six to like, I don't know, eight or nine, like uh, in that period, I had to go to reading classes, like extra reading classes to learn how to read. Um, I struggled with that and my speech, I wasn't able to speak properly. I would stutter with my words and all these things. Um, but it brought, it brought a lot of, uh, like sort of like inner conflict, like, and not feeling like I could express myself properly because kids like even at early age started to make fun of that. I wasn't able to like, you know, learn the things that they were learning. Cause I was like, they would say you're off in fairyland or, um, you're up in the clouds, Mark, like, are you, are you focused? So I couldn't mm-hmm. focus in school. So I had that. And I would struggle to learn and I felt like I didn't fit in. But as the years went on, I went into high school years, like it was, it was, it was very rough. Like I got bullied severely with so many things, had acne, acne on my face and all these things that I know now, like reflect back on. But at the time I was a very vulnerable young kid and trying to like connect with people. Um, But I had all this acne and different things and, People made fun of the fact that I was struggling with the learning. I had to do, even in high school, I had to go all these like different classes, uh, like with English and things. And I was struggling in that area. And so because I was very, very, like I was bullied so like severely at the time, which by the way, I've forgiven all of that. And I only wish love and those Mm -hmm. things, but it's just interesting diving deep where it all started. And I suppressed what happened was I suppressed myself and all of this suppression led to as you know Carla can lead to depression because if you suppress your emotions keep it in your body without expressing that over time it's like to think of like a volcano a volcano a volcano will eventually erupt the mount like you put so much contraction inside eventually it will just go And that was what was happening inside of me. Like the volcano was like about to erupt at some point, but it took years for it to then erupt for them to me, wanted to click the gear and change my life. Um, But when I was going through that process, I had a lot of, had a lot of suicidal thoughts from like even age 13 to 16, I had suicidal thoughts. Well, it was longer than that, but the, years like just going yeah, around around wow. my head uh didn't didn't have any self-worth I had no self-esteem I didn't love myself I you know I didn't think there was an actual future for me I didn't think that 
there was any light at the end of the tunnel, I thought, you know, there's no no point me being here. And I remember, so in saying that, this is what led me down the path of addictions because I was trying to numb the pain that I was going through at the time. I didn't feel like I could express. People were actually understanding where I was at. And yeah. I felt isolated. So I remember this one time, because I turned to alcohol at first and that just rippled on uh, later on in my adult years of drugs as well and then the sex and the gambling. But in the early years, I remember this day distinguishedly when I was 16 years old, I was I was in my room drinking alone uh, and, and I, at that point I was contemplating whether to end my life. I was like, I'm done. And I was bawling my eyes out, you know, just crying, drinking by myself. And I remember at the time, my mum come up and knocked on the door. It's like, are you all right, Mark? Like, what's going on? Like, you could obviously hear me crying and things. And she opened the door. But what had happened is, like, before she opened the door and come up the stairs, I spewed because I had that much alcohol by myself, whatever it was, a carton of beer. I was only 16. And I spewed up all over myself and spewed up all over the door. And at that moment, it was like I had a lot of shame then. It was like it made it worse. But even in that midst of all of these things happening and not wanting to be here, there was still like this inner something in my gut that kept me going. That's why I'm still here telling the story. There was still something there. Even in the midst of like, I don't want to be here, I still had that. But anyway... At that moment, my mum opened the door and she saw that there was spew all over me, all over the door. She's like, oh, my God, what's going on? And she opens my closet door and she saw all of these empty cartons of beer. At that point, I was like, oh, I, like, obviously, I had a problem even at age 16. Like, I'm drinking by myself, like, not even with friends or anything. There was moments of drinking my cousin and things. He was living with me at the time. And... Yeah, like I, I was, I was in such a shameful state because I like, and she's like, "Well, you're gonna have to clean the the mess off the door. You're gonna have to clean whatever. Clean yourself up." She left. She closed the door. She left. And in that moment, I never felt so humiliated in my whole entire life. Even though I've been humiliated in classrooms, different things um in that moment just sitting there like what am I doing with myself in my life and I really cried the whole experience cleaning like took me hours to clean the door and then wash myself and clean myself up but in that moment you'd think oh that should be the moment where you like you want to change but as you know Carla we go through so many wars and humans don't change until they literally are uh, like how much do you need to suffer before you're like realizing the human spirit like enough's enough well even yeah, like sorry. no i just would love to add um in that moment and <laughs> there's so many experiences like this where our parents are just yeah. trying to parent and sometimes like there's a, a miscommunication or i don't know um because you were suffering so emotionally and that's why you were there mm. and you vomiting is just like the superficial problem yes, and obviously yes. your mom's walked in and gone oh oh my god what a mess i can't believe you're doing this what the hell clean it up but actually like you're the deep deep trauma that you were going through in that moment was just that that's the real problem and it just wasn't seen so it doesn't surprise me that 
you know, you, you weren't really in a capacity to ask for help. And so I'm, I'm not surprised that after that, you weren't ready to change yet because it's like, who do I no. turn to? So it's I hard. Shut, I shut down, Carla, like yeah. I really did. And But anyway, it's just like, yeah. And after that experience, like I, I as the years went on, like, you know, as soon as I hit 18, that was when I got into the party life and I was – out from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, most, it was actually every weekend. That was like my pattern for like a number of years, right? I'm turned 30 soon. So there's like a number of years I was in that pattern of like just binge drinking. So it was like, I was addicted to it. Like even though I went through moments, I was drinking alone by myself. I had periods where I was drinking every day, but then there was like, I never, in the period of my addiction, I would never go, without three days of then getting back into it. Like mm. even for from age 16 to like 27 mm. um, was when the moment I, I clicked the ears and, and shifted. But, you know, and then as as my, like my addiction started to develop and, you know, I partying and in that environment, I then became attached to like addicted to sex and pleasurable things. Uh, you know like many situations and it was just out of alignment to who I really am like I didn't stand by that going up it's just all those things that and then I was trying to numb the pain that I was going through and I'm just piecing it all together because there's so much but like mm. to kind of fast forward into the journey of what it was like uh if, when I kind of woke up to the shift so mm. that was like all of these there was so many moments like even like when I've been out and about and doing so many things where I'd end up with vomit on myself, like for years, like, you know, I would vomit on stages in, in clubs and all sorts of things, toilets, pass out and all of these random spots or, you know, book random hotels for the weekend, didn't have money and then go minus into my account. I did many, many of those things. Right. And cause I was at the time I'm thinking, Oh, I'm just having fun. It was all like this pretend kind of fun. Like, yeah, I mean, the outside world doesn't really reflect what you're really, really going through. I mean, a good example is looking at someone like Robin Williams. Now he was the joker. He was the one that was like charisma and he, he made everyone laugh, but inside he was dying inside. And that's what I was going through. Cause I was, even though when I went in those party stages, I was more of like the larrikin. So it's like the joker and no one would have known completely what was going on internally. Cause I was mm. just, expressing and making people laugh and I was in that environment mm-hmm. but um yeah it's very very um interesting journey because it I just to kind of fast forward of what it was like when I went to live in Canada when I was age 23 I lived there for 14 months like that was when I hit the drug scene very very heavy that was every day full-on like any drug you can think of like I'm just going to be transparent because this helps people Please. out there like Mm-hmm. You know, the whole cocaine, um, speed, LSD, magic mushrooms, um, okay. like weed every single day, like it was a thing. Um, but it, and then the alcohol and all, all of it all in once, but it would be like not just like do alcohol for one day and then do weed the next, it would be like all five or the bundle Together. all at once every single day. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I'll share, like I have done the same. Um, I don't think that I ever had an out of control addiction, not as such, but when I started going into the club scene, I was binge drinking just like everybody else. Um, maybe it was a bit more controlled because I rarely, uh, I think, I think I've had a blackout once in my life, but oh, I would, I, I was yeah. still binge drinking at the end of the day. And yeah. when, especially when I started in the club scene, I also would just mix everything. And you think that you're having fun and trying new things. And it was fun in its own way, but I reflect and like, well, I was just looking for love mm. and I actually didn't feel that I could express myself without it. So mm. I completely relate. Like you just, you don't realize what you're doing at the time. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I'm glad you pointed that out. Cause it's like, yeah, we're looking, we're searching for something outside to fill this empty void. But like through living example, it's it's just like I feel more alive. I feel in alignment right now in my life. And I'm like, I'm mm. quite happy and content within myself. But it's just interesting. We go through these moments. I truly think it's part of the human experience to go through mm. some of the dark. So then we experience the light, the polarity of life. We talked about with energy. Yeah, well, like... Um, not to get us totally sidetracked, but like, no, that's okay. um, I always felt that I had so much love within me, like, and I have always loved people. I've always been an extrovert, I suppose. And when I went out dancing, like clubbing, the very first time that I tried MD, like ecstasy, I just felt mm -hmm. that overwhelming sense of love and the ability to finally share how I've actually always felt. And then I think the beauty in having that experience and doing the drug is that then I realized that all this love that I felt deep within me, I actually wasn't expressing it in my day to day. Mm. And now where I'm at in my life, where I have done the healing work and worked through those things. Now I can embody that vibration and that feeling. And if I were to do the drug, it wouldn't really ch change anything because I already mm. feel it. Um, but, but you see that that's how people get addicted to things. Like it's not actually the drug. It's just like no. what's, be, what's being allowed out that's been suppressed. Yeah, because and what you said there, because like I understand certain drugs, like as you said, MDMA, is that brings that out in you. But like mm -hmm. the thing is what I realized when I realized a better life for myself is that we don't need those things to mm -hmm. actually activate that from within. Like there's yeah. breath work there's organic ways of actually activating different awareness within things like think about because i'm being transparent it's like with the like weed and stuff like that's like essentially it can calm certain people down it can there's been studies that um like if it's not smoked and it's like in a controlled environment or whatever it, it can heal people from traumas and um like post-trauma stress disorders and all of those things so that's why I'm very open to these discussions as well. Even though I've been through that, I never go back to even touching a drug ever in my life, but mm -hmm. I understand what I learned through that experience too. Mm -hmm. And we can actually activate that from within us. It's all, always there. It's just, mm. those are the things that we reach for because like trying to look for it. We well, have it all along. It's just the Band-Aid treatment, isn't it? Just jumping it's onto the, the just... solution. Exactly. And anyway, so like to... Mm dive deeper in so when i was in canada and i was going through many of those moments there was many times like you know i i was 
so there was one night where I actually, I went out and part of like the staff accommodation where I was working in the hotels, they had certain rules. Like <laughs> I'm not a rules guy, but they had certain rules. Like you can't kind of go like into anyone else's apartments after a certain time. And I went like, before I went out, I was at the time drinking, doing the drugs upstairs of my apartment. And someone in that apartment told like the the people that do the inspections the next day that they um to make sure your house is spotless and all those things silly rules but maybe it's build the good principles like make sure you're at least doing the housework and that's okay but um anyway so they there was a, a monday morning this lady came in she's like hey you gotta like you know you gotta like leave this apartment basically you've you you were at such and such at such and such time like partying and you're not allowed to do that so that's your strike you're out i had many many different warnings from certain instance incidences like before that but it was that moment she's like, hey, you gotta get out and two days later i went out and and didn't like turn up to my job so i was not responsible like even in all of these things i wasn't consciously aware of my life and I was just doing things at a whim and I lost my job as uh, um, I got demoted from houseman which is like the guy that um, delivers uh, like a butler delivers things for the rooms I was working night shifts or evening and then I lost that got promoted because of many times of alcohol incidents at work I was drinking at work and these things and and then I got demoted to um, housekeeping. Well, say demoted, doesn't matter what the ladder looks like. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they get you. <laughs> I say it's demoted because I was like, I was snowboarding at the time. And I was like, oh, damn, can't snowboard now. And then eventually last straw happened from that, like me not showing up two days later because I had the shit set up. I had no place to go to. I was actually homeless. And then and then um, I lost my job. And two weeks later, I, I got a job. Um, as a, a dish hand in one of the restaurants, but they didn't have any staff accommodation for three months. So in that period, I was in the Rockies in Canada. Um, so it's like very, very cold, right? It's like even in summer, it's still got to like minus five, sometimes at night, even in summer, still cold. And I was homeless for three months, like house hopping. I actually can't. But there was a period where I, for two months, me and this like this Emily girl, the time my friend she she was homeless as well like whatever she's done on her end and then I was sleeping in the she would sleep like in the the front of her van on the like just put the recliner down and just sleep on that and for two months I would sleep basically in the middle of the van she had all of her stuff in there her life in there basically so it was was like uh, it was freezing cold we didn't like kind of have abundance of blankets and things at the time was just that's what we were dealt with cards because I lost my job. And then um, anyway, there was moments where I literally, I remember this one night, it was my birthday actually at the time. I, I was like, I was sleeping at my friend's house at the time for a week and I couldn't get into his apartment and, and she had the key and she went out for like a bender for a few days. So for the two days I was, I, because I lost my jacket at the time, and oh, so I had no jacket. I 
couldn't get into the apartment and st stuff and like um and then someone in that apartment didn't want me living there anymore anyway so it was like a conflict going on at the time and I slept on the ground in the rain I remember I was just bawling my eyes I slept on the ground like a, for two days in the Rockies at the time it was I think it was like minus one minus three in that in that time but it showed me resilience to get through anything in life and it gave me a new perspective of like what to look at for uh like homeless people right i don't look at them as junkies or bums the way that society programs you to think mm -hmm. um there's many many more of it yeah i just thought mm. might see if you want to add to that and then you can go yeah. deeper in. it's it's wild to me like how little things are almost just falling apart and it, it like it does like there are consequences like sleeping out did you sleep in the snow like was it snowing at that time not not like in that it was in certain parts but um because there's snow-capped mountains where I was it, it's like snow all year round it's just like in the mountain part but on the ground it's such not at that time yeah but but you were still I mean, it was only a month out from uh, two months out from snow coming back into the town wow yeah um, what did you feel in that moment when you were like okay we'll have to sleep outside well, and I, it's have no jacket because as much as I went through the period of like all of the darkness I kind of had the attitude even still to like just enjoy myself even though I wasn't in the best headspace and like with the whole alcohol that that scene I was still like I could have made the decision like I'm coming home I'll fly home right I didn't let my family know at the time I didn't let them know that I was even going through the homeless stages until my mum and dad came over to visit me for one week while they were going to then visit New York I didn't tell them and then they saw the evidence like oh my god what's going on and they oh were like god. freaking out <laughs> I didn't say anything because I was like I just believe that things will work out so even in the as I said earlier even in the midst of that I'm always believing because I had an optimistic way of looking at life, even though I was going through absolute internal stuff, I still believe that it was going to work out. And next thing you know, three months down the track, I got my house and I got through that period. It was tough, like many different incidents, like sleeping on random things. And like, that was, that was my life. But anyway, fast forward. Another defining moment, like when I was 16, uh, was a moment I realised I actually even had a problem with drugs too, is this one night, me and my friends at the time, uh, we were, we were going to go out night clubbing and I think his name, it doesn't matter what his name was, um, might have been a Sean, doesn't actually matter. <laughs> but anyway, he, he had some cocaine on him at the time. And before we went into the club, he's like, okay, well, let's like rack up a couple of lines. And let's, let's do it. Right. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, like, where are we going to do this? And so we went around the corner, like in the side street to, to do it. And I'm like, but what if cops come by? And like, it's probably not a good idea. My gut knew that it wasn't going to be a good idea. And next thing you know, we, we, we do the thing and the coppers pulled up. And I was like, oh, my, my heart sunk. I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm in a foreign country, like, living here on a working visa, what are we going to do? And they kind of, um, well, they handcuffed all of us. There was five of us at the time. I'm thinking, oh, my God, like, 
thinking about my future, my dreams, because I always still was dreaming, even though I had the midst of those things. I'm like, my God, this could like potentially like, I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to go to these things. And I didn't know what was going to transpire, but they, they had the conversation with us. So like, you know, we just want to know who the dealers are. Like, you know, you guys are fine, but if I catch you guys doing that again, especially you, cause you're Australian, the, the other guys are Canadian. I was Australian. They're like, you'll be on the plane going back home. You won't be able to come back here within at least five years. Like, cause it'd be wow. like a criminal charge. And I'm like, this is not like the life that I envisioned. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, like, you know, not long after that, you think, Oh, I would learn these lessons, but I didn't. I, there was another night incident where I passed out at the pizza shop um, in my food because I drank that much <laughs> and I passed out in my food. And I remember waking up, everyone's kind of like surrounding me. I'm like, what the hell is going on? The copper comes by <laughs> and picks it up. I know, it's like, look at the funny side of it, but it's like, copper comes by and it picks me up and takes me away. I'm like, oh shit. Like, you know, where am I, where am I heading? And they put me as what's known as a drunk tank. Like these are the labels they give you, right? Like you're in a drunk tank. I didn't know this till the next day. Cause I was out of it. I blacked out the next day. I woke up freezing cold. Cause they crank up, cranked up the air. Co- oh air my God. I was like freezing cold, no jumper, no nothing. I'm like, Oh my God. Do they do that They're to like, sober you up or it's just a, harsh yeah. treatment it's just sobered me up but i got a fine at the time which was a uh, was it 270 wait, wait mark so yeah. it totally froze so the audio we'll just have to fix that audio so oh, i'll just okay. so i'll just repeat the question so that we have a clear recording of it um i said so do they turn the aircon up to sober you up or is that just the harsh treatment a bit i think a bit of both right a bit of both and i think about it anyway it wasn't until like i i left um no so when i was leaving they're like okay you can go now i'm like oh where was i they told me that i I couldn't find my phone i was like oh shit where's my phone i went back to the pizza shop and this is another like kind of embarrassing moment for me where uh, like the spew on me whereas the guy in the pizza shop said like it was blatant like lies obviously like it wasn't the truth but he said that I was because I feel like he stole my phone I never ever get the truth from it it doesn't actually matter but at the time he's like you were naked in the store you were like you know causing a havoc I'm like no, this is oh not something even though I was blacked out so it's like, not something I remember I'm like if it's true then oh my god and I started to have all of this feel again I was feeling like so angst and like shit anyway fast forward so after this trip coming back home because i could probably talk for hours on it it's just all right um i would sort of jump in and say that's terrible i can't believe that that guy said those things and just taking advantage of someone that's actually vulnerable yeah just it's just not a nice thing to do to a human being but i guess yeah i forgive that because it's like that was at the time but it's just it's all coming back to me. Like, these are the things that actually happen. I'm like, far mm. out. Pieces together, Mark. Like, <laughs> Another life, you know, it feels like, but it's part of who you are. Yeah. And anyway, so, like, getting past Canada, like, these are these moments and these things that I learned. 
Now, when it came, uh, so I was, hang on, 2019 in July was like, this is like the moment of like where things completely shifted, like in the good, in the good direction, like in alignment. And so going through all of those things, I remember this one night, right? I went out and like I talked about with the volcano, this is where the kind of the volcano erupts um, in this incident. So I went out with my friend at the time, uh, this one night in July. And, and when I came home, I had so much like uncomfortable, like, anxiety and just so much suppressed emotions and because i hurt people hurt people and hurt people can hurt themselves and it was like it built into anger it was something that he may have said at the time that might not have been that bad but because i was in that state of mind and i literally like i lost it and i snapped and i outside my house i punched a tree and like once I punch a tree, this is the moment where I'm like, oh my God, none of this stuff is serving me right now. There is a better life for me. Like Finally. I'm gonna get rid of it. And like I broke my hands, just like just like see the shock of my family. Like, oh my god, what's going on? It took me to the hospital, popped it back in, but uh, two hairline fractures in my hand. And it was, and I had to go into like instead of wearing a cast because at a month later I was actually planning to go see my friend at the time in England and I was like planning that trip but I stopped alcohol so not a month it's about six weeks I stopped alcohol for six weeks and I had my slip up and this is like the last point where it just I, I stopped doing it all together but long story short I before getting on the plane because I'm like well the swelling when I'm flying, I can't wear a cast. It won't let me fly to see my friend. So they gave me a splint uh, so I could take the splint off at a night and ice it and all these things, but it was broken. So for a whole, pretty much six months took me to recover from like my hand. But anyway, fast forward into the trip of England, the very last night, August 17th, I'll never forget the day. It was the last day that I stopped doing all of it. And I haven't looked back and it's fast forward. It's like almost three years. I haven't looked back. So what year? August 17th, so, what year? Uh, so 2019. Yeah, cool. So almost there. So almost three years, Carla. And But as I, coming back home, this is where it gets interesting. We can dive into maybe for a little bit with energy and some <laughs> spiritual mm -hmm. experiences. Um, so I like on the way home, like the plane trip is a long plane trip. It's like 32 hours. Cause I went the long way, like through do Doha. Yeah. Um, anyway, doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. The details of that, um, just get to the point. So <laughs> all right. Thank you, Dan. I got home and this is where things started to get weird. I slept for a day and a half and then I woke up. For the next three days, I was awake. And this is where, like, kind of, like, I call it, like, my spiritual awakening moment. Yeah. And, and so when you were in England, did you drink again? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I had my last drinking experience. Sorry. I just okay. fast forward that. Um, <laughs> thank you for pulling me up on that. So I want to know. It's such I a good story. my last drinking experience on that night. Um, and that night i i didn't have that much to drink i had like four beers but i started spewing up my guts and that was like the memory of when i was 16 and that mm. was when i was like that's it 
So fast forwarding to the whole experience of coming home and all of like, it was like this awakening in me came up. Like mm. it's, it's, you know, I, so I was awake for three days Whoa. and like after sleeping and I, I, I had this like kind of calling to like do deeds inside the house and these, I was doing things at strange times and the family, like, what's going on here? Like what's there's something <laughs> weird happening? And at the time we were going to hospital um, to take my brother to hospital because he broke his collarbone um, a month or so. At the similar time that I did my thing, he broke his collarbone in a snowboarding accident. And so he was going to get the um, operation to put the, like the screws or whatever he was getting done. And little did I know that I was going to be admitted into hospital too. Because they seen that there's some funny things happening. What they is known as like a psychotic episode, which I see completely different now. But at the right. time, I didn't know what was happening. I had all these downloads and different things. I started to talk about God. The thing about like God or God consciousness and different higher power source, whatever. And they put me in hospital. And then after the three days, they put me in a mental institution. And so fast forward to go through that process after i got out of the mental institution going through there was so much in, that even happened in that mm. which we probably diving at different stages but um mm-hmm. this is the moment where i went okay i'm willing to do whatever it takes i'm willing to climb mount everest if, it, if i have to to be able to rewire myself rewire my mindset i went into nlp i started learning how the brain works and how to like rewire my mindset, to believe in my potential, to believe in that there's a life better for me. And I stopped cold turkey, all of those things, alcohol, drugs. I never went to any AAs, never went to any of those things. Didn't even go like coaching for the, that help. I just had so much inner belief that I could just make it happen. And I went flying through, did the NLP courses and then went deeper into like energy work of like, um like breath work and different things like that anyway i just want to mention one thing that would dive us into that Mm -hmm. um in the moment of when i went through that awakening stage i had like an out of body body experience that most common ground with many people that go into psych wards have all got very similar stories like Mm -hmm. what i'm about to share so it was like at the time very strange but i had like an out of body experience like you know it was almost like I detached myself from my body for a second. I could see myself doing certain things. In the, in the period of the two and a half weeks, I could see that happening. and But it was like an inner calling to just keep going on my path. My awakening stage happened of my true potential. And fast forward and here I am. Like, I, I, I'm here. Oh, yeah. so... <laughs> there are so many so many questions that's <laughs> yeah. such a wild story and I think so many people will relate and what's especially interesting to me is how you suddenly had this calling and then you just stop cold turkey and it's the reminder that like people get stuck working through their addictions whatever they may be by trying to stop the addiction and it's like no it actually all comes from trauma and it's just all a reflection of being out of alignment like when I was working really hard, when I was working like 60 hours a week, because working is an addiction. It was, it was definitely my addiction. I found all of my purpose through my work. 
and um, trying to work less. <laughs> it's like, makes me laugh. I couldn't do it. And I would try and I would, then I'd feel bad and I'd work again and I'd like get all in all sorts of knots in my mind about it. And when people would tell me you should work less, you're working too much. I just like kind of like, you know, fuck off. I'm fucking trying. I'm doing what I can. And then as soon as I got into the healing work and I realized for me, like I had an, a childhood wound of feeling unheard and therefore feel, like kind of feeling unloved. And that's what drove me to find my love through success. But then I could, when I did the healing work and learned how to love myself, and it's a journey, it's still oh, evolving. Yeah. Then I just stopped working so much. Like I went from 60 hours to like 20, 25. So fascinating to me. Um, but it's, a, it's more, well, I guess you can't compare these things, but I find it more interesting because yours got so, your addiction got so deep and there were so many, ups and downs and being homeless in Canada which <laughs> to me I'm like I don't know I don't know what I would have done it just sounds so scary yeah but it, I mean like it taught me so and this is the good part Carla now like we've gone through some of these things right is that we've learned like by going through the deep healing work and the and the mindset tools and things that we've gained is that we can rewrite the scripts because the life that we live is the meaning that we give it. And this is where I can go back on those events. I look at it as like empowering. It's like, well, I, I look at that as a blessing because it built the character within me to want more for myself. And then that's where I'm sure you've gone through the process, like your clothes, right? Carlo, you're deconditioning your clothes. You're like getting rid of them. The same thing can happen with people that are no longer have the values that you have. And then, and then that's the next process that I mean, dive in, let, let's start letting go of that, sending off with love, like you would with your clothes, served its purpose at the time, but it's no longer serving right now. You would say you could relate to that, right? Like just. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny because when you, you, when you were telling the story of being in Canada and you had your other friends that were potentially also drug addicts and having their own problems and, or. Yep. And yeah. um, being homeless as well. And when you said you're doing cocaine in the alleyway, <laughs> a part of me is like, oh my God, I can't believe your friend told you to do that. Like, oh, that's kind of bad of your friend. And is your is that friend at that time a bad person? And then it's like, well, actually, first of all, you were there doing it with them. You agreed. Mm -hmm. It's a two-way street. But on top of that, at least you had friends at the time. And maybe they were encouraging bad habits in some instance, but they were the level of support that you would, that you needed and that you were capable of resonating with at the time. And even though they may, might have put you in, uh, brought you into situations with them that were energetically not helpful for you, but it's also why you are where you are now. So, because it's, it's exactly yeah, we, it's value. Like mm -hmm. they, their values were that at the time. My values were that at the time. It's like party, mm -hmm. forget everything, escape. Um, like, and yeah, I was running away from myself. Mm -hmm. Even though I went to Canada originally to find myself, that was my original plan to go and find myself away from family and, and all of that. But what I went into was like more of a deeper hole. I and it was it was not finding myself it was just like going into a deeper rabbit hole of things that were not serving me 
but I'm grateful for those experiences now, meaning that I can give. And if we talk about like yourself as well, because I've talked a lot about like my story, but it's like for yourself, like you getting rid of your clothes and you stepping into that business minded, like I'm here to help people in business. It's like you're going to attract energetically the ones that have got those values. Like I'm here, I'm growing with you. And you let go of the ones that don't have those values. And it's okay. It's part of the journey um, when you're up leveling because like they say that the five people you hang around the most, you start to become. So when you start to hang around people that are like talking about inspiration, motivation and all of these things, it, it, it attracts you in because that's where your values are at. Like you, your value is service. There's might be still there and that's okay. But um, yeah. Yeah, like, absolutely. And like, yeah, I also wouldn't be where I'm at with my own growth if I didn't have the stage of partying and doing the drugs and having alcohol and overworking. I, w- I wouldn't be able to help people to have freedom and space in their business if I hadn't experienced the opposite. So it's just fascinating how it all unfolds and, and all the lessons. What I really want to ask you about to share is your time in a mental hospital or institution. Oh. I don't know what you call it because um, it's like we skimmed over that part. And uh, that's, it just that's is it honestly just fucking crazy to me that you started waking up and letting go of alcohol, letting go of what was out of alignment, and then you get put in a crazy hospital. <laughs> and it, I obviously yeah. it's not a crazy hospital, but um. And just to relate before you get into it, like when I went through my spiritual awakening last year, you know, I reflect and I had been shifting into that for a very, very long time, but the actual experience of it feels very sudden and sudden to the people Mm. around you. And I feel lucky that I did not get put into a mental hospital because I shared some things that I went through with like my parents and stuff. And I had a few like things that I saw that were not, Mm of the earth like I saw light and energy and things like that and my parents were like good for you what the fuck but but then you you actually were put into a mental mental hospital it was very it was very tough like because I was having these out-of-body experiences and feeling like I was so connected to the world and it was it was almost like I had the world of emotions on top of me like, you know, not claiming like, hey, I'm a god or anything, but it was like I was almost like I felt the whole world. I started talking about um the Amazon, because at the time the Amazon rainforest, which is a source of life for, for humanity, because it's all about the oxygen. If you look into the Amazon, it's about the the ecosystem with the oxygen and allowing that. Anyway, that was on fire. And I suddenly cared. I never talked about the Amazon ever in my life, but I suddenly just knew that there was something going on in the Amazon. It's like, how can you possibly know that? And I felt also I started to say before this pandemic is pandemic has like actually unfolded. I I felt there was something off in the world. I was like, I feel like we're gonna go into don't know what it is, like where like the whole world's going to be like kind of at a standpoint of something like the pendulum's shifting. And I was going through my mum at the time got rid of like my journal, but I was 
I say channeling, like what I was writing in my journal, like to do with mathematics and different equations that I've never Whoa. even understood ever in my life, but it was just coming through at the time. Did she <laughs> get rid of your journal in that moment saying you're acting crazy, I'm getting rid of this? Or did she, are you saying she she got rid of it later? So I, when I came out of the institution, I noticed I was like, I don't know, I was looking for that, trying to make sense of what was coming through. Oh man, I can't um, believe it's gone. Oh well. It's gone, but I still remember it was amazing to reread it. All these things about balance, because I realized that with like, because I believe like with the polarity of energy in this earth, it's like the balance. We're coming back to balance of Mm -hmm. like peace and balance. And it was like there was something off. And this is six months prior to the actual pandemic, like where they've like COVID and we're in lockdown and it's just weird. It was almost like I had like a premonition of what was to come. Like I felt it in my gut. And because I was talking about those things, it was obviously I sound crazy. But anyway, they in the institution, they put me on like medication. So a mood stabilizer. So then that came with it that people thought I was bipolar because it was like up and down. And it was like the mood stabilizer was to calm me down in that, that instance because I couldn't actually handle what was channeling through me like all this information that I've never even studied like ancient Egypt and like all of these concepts I've never even actually looked at like physically looked at and I'm like where's it all coming from Mm, (laughs) I know yeah when I went through my spiritual awakening it was not um not quite similar to yours but just the thoughts that you have you feel crazy you're like, actually, I act- I think this and I see this now. And you're like, but nobody else does. Why? And you literally, you, f- you feel crazy. It's quite, it's, yeah, it's, well, it's pretty isolating. Process. Um, but it was weird because uh, at the time, I like even going through the hospital, I'm like, oh, I can heal people. And they're like, you can't <laughs> heal anyone. And I was like, because my heart It's like, no, but I'm here to serve people. Like it was like mm-hmm. a woke up to my do good deeds each day um like this inner voice and when I was in the mental institution I remember this like moment even though I was in that I started to write on the chalkboard and started to put positive affirmations and different things on there about love and universal love and all of these things and everyone started to follow suit in the institution even though they've got like schizophrenia and all these different things it actually brought peace while I was there Wow. So it was almost like I was serving my mission, but they put me on, yeah, the antipsychotic drug, the quantipine. It was terrible. Like there was certain people in there that were getting tackled to the ground because they wanted to get out. So I had to watch um, the pain of everyone going through. Like, I want to get, get me out. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. And I'm like, well, I'm not crazy. I want to get out. And a week before I was able to come out, it was my grandma's um, 90th. I wanted to get to the 90th because I'm close to my grandma. Still, uh, still am. She's still alive. Um, Amazing. And they wouldn't let me out. We had what, like, what the, like a hearing, like what you have in court cases. Uh, what's like tribunal hearing? Yeah. Or whatever it is. Um, so the judges are there to make sure. My mum and my <laughs> sister came in and they're like, see if Mark, can, if we can bring Mark out. They wouldn't let me out. This is a week prior because I asked the question. It sounds crazy, right? Because I'm asking the question of like, what's in the medication? And coming from someone that's let go of drugs, I'm obviously asking like, what are you putting in here? Like, what if I become addicted to these things? I've let go of this past. 
Yeah. And that is crazy and like in itself. And they're like, okay, you're delusional. Like the judge was like, you're delusional. My mom is like, we can take care of him. He's fine. I'm like, I want to go see my, it was painful because I'm like, I want to get out so I can see my grandma and her for her ninth year. Let me out, please. And they wouldn't let me out. That actually and, just hurts my heart so much. Like, and to hear your experience and saying that other people there are like, I am not crazy, let me out. And mm. what I know now, yeah, about the spiritual space, it's just really confronting that you're just, people aren't being heard uh, or mm. the trauma is not actually being processed. Yeah, so, and 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 that's, that's like, it was, you know, like I'm not, like kind of attached to that anymore like I see it Mm. as like I'm sharing this because it can actually help people there is light at the end of the tunnel but like looking at it it was very challenging I'm like being completely transparent and honest like it was so challenging because I wanted to get out I was like please let me out and they were like no we're going to keep you for another week well they didn't tell me how long they keep me for they're just like we're going to keep you for a bit longer Mm. they're like give me a date because I questioned the nurse and he told the judge that I questioned him about the drugs. Wow. I'm like, I'm just curious of what I'm, what I'm taking. I had to go on this quantapine and, and um, mood stabilizer, the Eplum for 12 months. And this is the moment where I realized things are wonky in the world. I took myself off cold Turkey. I still had another six months to go. I had to go every single week to check up to see if I wasn't insane for 12 months like to see how i'm traveling like Sorry, the doctor, after you got out after the experience yeah, after i got out like i literally had to go on this journey of taking the medication every day for 12 months but i took myself off cold turkey yeah. i was just like that's it i'm done with the medications i've never looked back but um that was tough experience to like oh we're gonna go through the process how are you going how are you traveling with my gp How's your mindset? Are you still talking about healing people and all these things? And I mean, in hindsight, where I am now, it's like, yeah, I'm here to help people like heal themselves from the things that I have that I know can work. If they put them on themselves, like claiming to be like anything, a healer. (laughs) They're probably thinking you're going to go around like Jesus and just touch people and heal them. And they're like, oh Lord, this man's crazy. And then it's like, no, I fucking am a healer. And I'm still doing it to this day. Like I'm healing people. I didn't mean through light power through my hands, which even then is Reiki. It's a legitimate practice. (laughs) It's not crazy. Wow. Wow. But I mean, well, I I have um, theories around why it happened in that way, but what's your thought? Like metaphysically, like why, that happened to you on your journey or needing to prove yourself that's i personally think the whole like that experience a lot of us on this planet kind of at the similar time kind of woke up that there's something beyond this physical body we're not Mm -hmm. just here like sure i'm here to balance things out i'm here living this human experience but i'm also understanding the whole spiritual realm of things and quantum physics it's like you know, the, if you look at quantum physics alone, the body itself is empty space. Like 99% is empty space and 1% is like matter. But there's like, we're, we're energy. We're light, energetic beings. We're not just this physical avatar that we carry around. Mm-hmm. So, I I mean, that's my perception that we, 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 it's almost like we got 
activated into what we're, our sole mission is here for. All at a very similar time. Might be wrong. Maybe yours happened a little bit after yeah. mine, but a couple of years ago, and in context of where we're at right now um, in the world, like it's almost like there's a different level of awareness, like mm -hmm. from both angles. Like some people are still in this like heavy, dense matter of living, whereas a lot of us are like more of like the lighter side of things. Would yeah. you say that's, yeah. Absolutely. I did a little pre-frame podcast just before this one where I explained what the Great Awakening is, just a light version of it. Um, but just to recap for people that don't know, it's the rise in consciousness that has been predicted for a very long time and we're going through it now. Once you sort of wake up to it and realize how it's happening, it's just undeniable. But before you're in that space, it's a little hard to comprehend. And um, yeah, my experience to Marx is similar where I feel even when I was a kid, I always knew there must be more. It must be better than that. Like I was like, mm, I don't really want to work nine to five, but I do really want to be successful. And I mm. just didn't buy into the idea that I had to work nine to five and that was it. Like I pursued <clears throat> like I cared very much about doing well. So I was really academic. Like I, I did do really well at school and I enjoyed it. So in that sense, like I enjoyed the system you could say, but then I was like, I don't really want to work a job that I don't like forever. So I'm going to pursue singing and dancing. That was first. Then that, you know, the dancing led into fitness. I love that. Then working at the gym. Then I was like, you know what? I actually, I don't really like standing for this many hours and just telling people what to do. And that's when I, yeah, then shifted online because I just kept thinking there must be a better way. There must be a better way. So I feel that is a real reflection of my soul re purpose, like reason for being here because I've had that feeling since I was a kid. Um, but then when I was in the fitness industry, I just would always be like, you know, why are so many of my clients on antidepressants? <laughs> like they serve a purpose for sure. But if you hate your job and you really don't like your job, it's okay to not like it. It's okay to be unhappy with it. That doesn't mean that you need to numb yourself or that there's anything wrong with you. It just means that you don't like your job and you know it's time to find something else. And so many women on hormonal contraceptives that were actually messing with their hormones and making it really difficult to lose weight. And I and you know, I decided to learn about all these things and how they went really deep. And I just was like, it doesn't understand. It doesn't make sense. Sorry. When like a client will come to me with gut issues and then the doctor just gives them, um, like a, a medicine that makes their stomach more acidic. So it was mm. helping the symptom of the gut, uh, you know, they're having difficulty digesting things but that very medicine was breaking down their own gut lining and stomach acid. So in the long run, it was no doubt making the problem significantly worse. So there were things like that where I also was just being like, this doesn't add up. This doesn't add up. And I was helping, like I helped hundreds of women to get fit and healthy or just exercise and like food. And I was like, this whole thing's actually really simple. Why is this mm. fucking so complicated? <laughs> 
and then COVID happened and then I was like uh this doesn't really make any sense why are we closing the gym but keeping the bottle shop open and then it clicked this Mm. is a pandemic um and irrelevant of the pandemic because I don't particularly I'm not trying to sway anyone on anything Mm. but the shift in consciousness and seeing that you know what I know what is best for my body not somebody else and recognizing that the way that the system or the government whatever you want to call it is set up is that it it encourages you to give your power away and put your power outside of you that's really what the awakening is about like in fact the power is within me you know money does not make me happy um owning a car does not make me happy having a big number of friends even that does not make me happy even friends them just on their own don't make me happy like they come from within so the great awakening is really about recognizing that power within yourself yeah exactly yeah and you went through the the same in a different way (laughs) pardon well we dive very very deep today and I, I really love the whole you know, because it brings, like, what we're here to do is bring awareness out there, colour. Like, you know, in what you're saying there, it's, it brings awareness of kind of the times we're in. And, you know, it's either you can go one way where you, you may, like, just fall into the trap or you want to, like, really better yourself. You're like, hey, on, I came here for a mission, a purpose. I'm here to be my most authentic version, my highest version. And, it's it's like kind of a, a a choice in in consciousness right we came here our souls like you know i'm here for that or i'm here for that you know and i mean we all had that kind of realization that something doesn't sit right with the whole planet and the things that are going on but you know at the same time it's finding that balance and it's like not getting caught too much in all of the stuff because then takes us away from what, what what our soul's here to do is serve and raise um the vibrations where people are living in gratitude and love um and full expression versus anger shame or guilt the things that we talked about earlier like that's essentially what we're here to do is, is help people rise into that vibration and you know and give people hope out there that we can re- rewire our mindset we can rewire our nervous system to come back to balance and we can look after our health like i mean if you don't have health you don't have wealth you don't have any of the other things so it's like these are the things that um i'm passionate about is bringing that awareness of how to be healthy um and naturally you just step into your power from being healthy from within (laughs) yep yep um i want to just add that when people are going through the shifting consciousness like it's a gradual process and obviously we are still growing ourselves um but but where there can be a bit of a hiccup is you wake up to sort of what's going on in the world and the real um intentions and like trying to again encouraging people to put their power outside of them you wake up to that but then you are like that is so bad. It's so terrible what's going on. I can't believe this is happening. And there's so much fear. And when you buy into that fear, you're actually staying in that original sort of state of consciousness. Like I would say phase one, where you're still falling into the victim and 
when that when you're experiencing fear you're thinking that something outside of you can hurt you so you're actually still living in that loop of giving your power away and it's totally understandable that if you're in that stage that's okay i've been there and it's actually quite a scary stage to be in because you see this how much darkness there is in the world and it feels really overwhelming and you're scared and the people that you love and care about are blind to it and you want to help them and, and wake them up and, and all that but mm. really sort of finalizing in this aspect shifting to the next state of consciousness it's letting go of that fear and trusting that people are on their own journey your loved ones are on their own journey there's no rush to wake people up some people won't wake up and that's okay because that's literally their journey and um just having compassion for where people are at and seeing that actually nothing outside of you can hurt you so people i find are got often like a lot of people going through that shift in consciousness but then they kind of get stuck getting angry and essentially getting angry about the injustice injustice in the world just keeps you stuck in a lower vibration and it's learning to let that go and and again yeah stepping into your power and living your own life living Mm. in love doing what you want to do regardless of what's going on that's where the real shift and and power is and and that's the right word but yeah really moving into that and i mean yeah this is something we've probably talked for five or ten hours about but (laughs) like i I know this topic (laughs) but i know that this is like what you're touching on there was a period early stages where like a lot of anger was coming through from me because I could see the bigger picture of what's happening. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of just took a step back. I'm like, no, tap back into, you know, the higher vibration of like love and connection and just focus on that. And naturally, um, hang on, someone said this recently, I think it might've even been like a Les Brown or something. The quote of like, if you look at the things outside of you, like, no, the things you look at differently will start to change around you basically. Like, so if I look at uh, like as a perception, I like it's a sunny day outside, but someone might go, Oh, the sun's glary and I don't like that. So they give that meaning for that. But I go, you know, no, I love the sun. I'm getting vitamin D. So it's like when I start to look at things differently, the things around me start to change. So I don't have these things in my field. Cause I'm like really aligned to like, I'm here, I'm serving Madden value i think you're like you're in the same boat it's like we're not attached to like that way of being because like when we start to uh work on our inner self everything outside of us energetically will start to shift um Mm. but yeah (laughs) yeah perfect i feel example on that what i'm going through at the moment like um somebody close to me they uh, their growth is not where my growth is And I was talking about this with my own coach because it's caused some friction. Like my feelings have been hurt sometimes by things that they are completely unaware to. It's like they've they've hurt my feelings and not even realized. And I was like, you know, it's just typical of them to say this because of their level of growth. And I said, they're like a child. Like they, it's like, like, it's like talking to a child because of, because of where they're at. And she pointed out to me essentially that by me putting that label and seeing them through that lens I was then forcing them to behave in that way like energetically they were just fulfilling a role because that's the space that I was creating for them to fill 
Whereas if I gave them, if I could release that attachment to that word that I'd put on them and broaden my perspective. So first of all, communicate how I was feeling and not just assuming that they won't understand. Communicating and, and changing my perspective of that person, I then give them the opportunity to fill that space. For me, that was literally just this morning that I was having this conversation and that really did hit home because then it's a reminder, like everything you go through is a two-way street. Like, yeah, maybe they are being immature in certain ways, 100%. But if you're projecting that immaturity onto them, they have no room to change with you. Yeah, it's like what you put out, you start to attract more of what you focus mm -hmm. on, you attract more of, which mm -hmm. is a whole other like conversation. Another thing. Because <laughs> just before we go into a different space, I wanted to go back in, in regards like the, the awakening process that people go through. I think the reason why they get, and I, I've been through it, like you get so angry is because you realize how maybe how taken advantage of you've been and that we've been programmed and conditioned to act in ways that are unnatural to us. We've been programmed since day one to give our power away. And there's so much like fuck you energy behind that. And in addition mm. for me through that process that I went through, at least like I actually came up against the fear of death because my spiritual teacher, Ben, who's also like a close friend, I was saying to him, like, I can't believe my parents and my siblings and my cousins, they don't see what's going on. They don't see the depth of it and they are going to hurt themselves. Like, what if, honestly, like, what if they die? And my teacher was like, so what? <sighs> and I'm like, well, uh, 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 but, but, but that's bad. It's, that's a bad thing. That's so bad. I don't want them to die. I don't, I don't want to lose them. I don't, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, but we all die. What difference does it make? Like they're on their path and they're going to, they're going to die at some point. And he's like, so are you, so what? And mm. like, if, you know, and I'm thinking like, but not just my family, like people in the whole world are going to die how can you say that? And he again was like, if we all died tomorrow, would it make any difference? And facing that fear was fucking confronting, but that's what liberated me to then be like, oh, it's not worth being angry about because we, we do all die. It's just a big game. Like, um, and I believe that the other side, like we just go back to source. We just go back to pure love when we come here, it's where we experience duality. I, I, I personally don't think that there's like hell. Um, yeah. So even if we all died tomorrow, it just, it just wouldn't matter. So confronting that was what allowed me to let go of the anger. And I still am, you could say like against the injustice that's happening for sure. I still am raising awareness because I think it's important like right now. Oh, but yeah, there's yeah. no anger fueling it. It's just coming from a place of love. Like I want to lift people up that want to be lifted up because it makes me feel good. Not because I'm desperately trying to wake them up and stop them on their journey and prevent, you know, there's no, there's no anger there. So that's when people can get into that space, that's a real sort of gift. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't hold back. Hours. It's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. Um, let me look. Did you have anything to add? Because I think I've got just a couple of questions for you as well. Yeah, we can maybe we'll wrap it up with a few, what do you think, a couple of questions and and maybe 
bring some intrigue for the listeners that if you dive in later, we talk about, I mean, quantum physics. We can talk about that at another point because I've dived deep into that. If you think about going back to source and those things, like, I don't know if anyone out there that's read like Stephen Hawkins' book, um, Brief History of Time, but he talks about it's almost like there was no beginning and there's no end because like you can't create energy, can't destroy it. And if everything's mm-hmm. all energy, it's like, well, we're just existing. Everything's just happening. But anyway, that's like goes beyond the rational mind. I mean, a lot of people might think, huh, that doesn't make sense. So I love it. I tell my listeners all the time, time isn't real. So they're familiar with the concept. Um, I'm not sure if I've broken it down as such in a podcast. My clients know learning to live without the constraints of time is so cool. It is quite challenging. <laughs> like my Ben, he says how time isn't real, but timing is important. And timing still recognizes going from here to there. Um, and for myself recently, the challenge, cause I've created the space and freedom in my business. It's actually been dealing with how to appreciate that. Cause sometimes it makes me nervous when I don't have something to do. And I've, you know, I've created this space and it makes me like uncomfortable. And especially I'm figuring out what my next offer will be sort of what my next program will be. And it's quite difficult to put a number of weeks on it because I don't really operate like that anymore. So it's mm. um, living without time and understanding it just because just you mentioned it, like it's so liberating, but it's another space that you need to learn how to navigate. Yeah. It's still understanding we are here living this human experience and we got to play by the whole time. And, but it's having that flexibility, like, you know, when you're present as we talked early on, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I just wanted to ask you, um, going back to your time in the mental institution, like how much, see, I feel that people are diagnosed with things quite frequently and a hundred percent, there are benefits to this. Maybe when you actually understand what's going on and it's relatable, you have a proper treatment plan. Like there is so much benefit to finally being recognized. And I understand that, but I also witness that a lot of people have been diagnosed with something and then they identify with it. Like I am depressed and therefore you keep affirming your situation and it's proven to um, continue to manifest. So mm-hmm. actually being in that institution, how many of perhaps the diagnoses were accurate and or beneficial and how many of them were actually just people suffering with trauma? That's a very, well, and this, I'll answer it in short. Because I, I know, like, listeners have listened for a few hours. Um, <laughs> I don't believe in the whole labels of things because once we start to label everything and we have this attachment to an identity that, I mean, and we claim it, as you said, like, I am that. Like, I mean, you never get out of that that cycle, the loop, because it is really just traumas like all of these things that we've created and constructed like you've got autism you've got a bipolar you've got such and such I mean that's another story I like put it out there but honestly it doesn't really exist yes we we have to attach to something just to give it something so it makes sense but at the end of the day 
it's once you remove the traumas, um, there's been a lot of testimonials out there, people that have done, I guess, breath work and different things that um, remove the traumas out of their cells of their body. And then they've no longer had post-trauma stress disorder. They've no longer had autism. They've no longer had bipolar or any of these labels that were gifted to them or not gifted, but given to them to claim. So if you remove all of the attachments to things and you're just going for a temporary phase and they're like, ah, we need to give medications that actually amplifies the actual problem, like the Band-Aid trick. And it's like, well, once you get through the emotional inner conflict out of people and you give them new empowering beliefs, like I am capable, like for instance, if I looked at my beliefs when I was younger, I'm, I'm stupid, I'm not smart enough. It's like, no, I'm an inner genius. I'm smart enough. I'm all of these things, which allowed me to create a new mindset to create a better life, which then healed me. So I no longer look like an out of balance person going up and down, whether I would be labeled bipolar. So if you're asking me, honestly, it's all BS. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> I fucking love to hear that. Um, I, and friends with other people that are trauma healers as well. And they say people are just so over diagnosed or that any diagnosis is not necessarily helpful. <laughs> I definitely have people in my life and clients and friends that have received a diagnosis before, and it has been really helpful to them. So again, like everything has its place, but it's this lack of understanding where so many people, <clears throat> perhaps in the medical field and like psychology, we, uh, are trained to really believe in the hormonal imbalances and things like mm -hmm. that. So it's so like, oh, this person has ADHD because of this, this, and this. It ticks these boxes. It's an imbalance. It's permanent. That's how they are. That's it. And it's like, no, actually, like what was what triggered the imbalance that you're referencing is this trauma. And we can bring things back into balance for so many people. Um, I've met so many people in my life that had depression or experiencing depression and yeah, they were like, Oh, it's a, it's a imbalance in my brain. It's how I am. My experience is me de being depressed. And it's like, no, there's so there's trauma there to unpack. And mm. you and I both have helped so many people that we can say that like in the past, I would really hesitate from saying that it's just trauma. Um, mm because I hadn't maybe fully embodied like what it would mean to work through that trauma, but I've seen so many people liberated from it. From well, it's like anything like, okay, through instance, right. It's my own, my, my little nephew, right. When he was eight months old, he had a stroke. And um, after that he got labeled, like he's got cerebral palsy. Right. And you know, the movement, mobility in his arms his legs and stiff and stuff right but that's what they've labeled him for and in the context of society they would say you're disabled and i've seen i've just to give some context out there this is raw and real guys by the way like you know there's people out there i've seen share they are literally i've seen this um this girl one time on this video she had cerebral palsy right and people were, and she was describing how frustrating it was for her. She has feelings, but people saying you're disabled. That word's damaging for, the, for that person that's going through that. And she's like, no, I'm not disabled. I'm able, I'm capable. 
So she started to anchor in this new belief of who she was becoming. And even though she had the limp with a leg and all these things, but society will give her a label of saying, you are disabled. And it's like, it's so damaging to the soul. Um, when we put these things on, and it's like, I don't know, that just made me realize it's like with everything in life, which I, yeah, I, when we identify ourselves to be something, then that's what we're claiming. Like it's, we're anchoring that feeling in and we start, oh, well, that's just what I am. It's like depression is just suppressed emotions. That's not being able to be expressed. And over time, like the volcano um, analogy I use is like that. And then it erupts. Like that's the sign of depression. Like, but it's a temporary thing. Like, like a storm, like thoughts and feelings come and go, right? So it's like you are the eye in the storm, thoughts and feelings come and go, no attachment to it. Become the observer of your life, no attachment. And I mean, you live a completely different perspective. That's my my personal uh, view on all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And I want to add more, but I agree. I'll just ask you one more question and we'll wrap it up. We we might have to do a part two another time and get you back in. (laughs) So I just made a note that when you were like homeless in Canada, it's cold, like you're just figuring things out. You're working through a whole host of issues, I guess, in your your life. Did you still feel that you were always like supported by the universe or like, can you vouch now that no matter how bad things get, you're actually always safe and supported? Yeah, 100%. And this is what I think about the human spirit, like that we are incredible in these times. Like we, like when you have that sheer belief that you can overcome anything, even in the midst of that, you're still like, no, like I know I've got to keep moving forward. So like, in the midst of me being like into the drugs and the alcohol in that stage in Canada, there was also a time where I was training for uh, uh, rugby. And at the time I didn't, well, sorry, I didn't actually have any running experience of long distance at that period. I've done a lot of running in my life, but I wasn't training. I was drinking and doing all of that. And I remember this one day, my friends were, let's go for a run. I'm like, okay, how long are we going to go for? I went for 10 miles and I, I didn't stop the whole time. My friend, I had my whole body was ready to shut down. Like, like my, I had my hamstrings go halfway through that, that run, but it just showed how determined I am that I can get through the obstacles. Like even though I was in the midst of my mindset, I still had this inner belief in me and I finished the thing. I couldn't walk for two weeks, but it's besides the point. <laughs> yeah you you can just you can just keep going like it's just the soul it's the soul thing um because I just wanted to bring that up because I know that people have hard experiences and their life gets tough and full of challenges and I still have my own challenges and you've yeah experienced that and the universe was still there for you and that's where it's like so this is really stepping into that next awakened phase of realizing like there is no fear yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, amazing. This has been so much fun. We'll definitely do it again. So thank you so much for coming on and being so vulnerable and sharing your story. There's so much strength in it. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Carla.
it was it was a bore I loved yeah, it yeah it was it was so if you enjoyed this podcast like please message me on Instagram and let me know I will pop Mark's uh, Facebook and Instagram there as well do you have anything going at the moment that you'd like to share if people feel called to work with you or just contact well, you yeah so like I think if this message resonates with you um as Carla said put put out the whole like Instagrams and stuff and because um yeah there's many 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 things like you know I I work with the whole you know the inner conflict and and working on people that have got addictions and stuff and allowing them to see a better path and I have many many like things that I I use within that um so and to dive deep into breath work if you feel called like I know that breath work part of my mission it's helped me a lot like come back to alignment to who who I really am and come back to my health and I mean yeah I don't really like go too far into like, explaining those things because it, I just that yeah, I probably go for another hour or something <laughs> yeah another time but you have really amazing skills that you used to work with people and it does your yeah. work primarily focus on like getting them in the body and removing trauma from the body is that out of the body and it's working you know with the energy working with the mindset um clearing the traumas like in conflict um yeah there's a transformational breakthrough like sessions that i take people through and it's it's more about feeling you know feeling into if people feel called they really really want to shift their life they want to like change it all then I, yeah, I have some specific things I take people through. So yeah. um, happy to take people. Yeah. Yeah. If you Beautiful. feel called, reach out. Let's get, maybe have a, you know, a 15 minute discovery call, see what's going on um, with all the inner conflict and things. And yeah. Fuck yeah. Absolutely love it. So yeah, Mark is making waves, making a huge difference. Actually, I, it's best to just go through my website www.masterinmakingyourmark.com that's it epic beautiful so what i was going to add is that if you know someone that this podcast would resonate with please share it with them we would love to get the message out i think a lot a lot of people can relate to this no matter what your addiction or life experience so please share this podcast if it was helpful to you and we'll wrap it all up now so thanks for Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being with us, Mark. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, Carla. Thank you.